0: Let's pray and we'll see what God has for us today. Matthew chapter 14. Father, as we get back into your word today, Lord, hopefully um, for us it has not been since last Sunday that we heard from you. Hopefully, many of us uh, after last week were encouraged to spend time alone with you, Lord, and I thank you for the time you and I have had alone. The time where you've spoken to me about direction, uh, things in our lives, decisions to be made, Lord. And and just to spend time fellowshipping with you. And I pray that would be our normal experience as a fellowship. Not looking forward to only the Sunday meeting, Lord, but a daily meeting with you. And as we meet with you this morning, Lord, we um, recognize that... uh, There may be fears and doubts, there may be discouragement, there may be huge concerns and fears of the future. Lord, I pray that this word this morning would minister to us as we open our hearts and minds to it. Pray that your spirit would bring this word to life so that it can take root in our lives and bear fruit. To a life of peace and joy in the spirit. We give you our hearts, our minds, our bodies. As living sacrifices, Lord. Have your way in us. Have your way in us. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. All God's people said, Amen. After a brief section of scripture last week, we saw Jesus alone on the mountain. He had sent the disciples away. He made them, compelled them to get in a boat and go to the other side where he would then meet them at a later time. This passage that we'll look at this morning, Jesus walking on the water, is uh, very, very well known, very Uh, often taught on in churches and devotionals and things of that nature. Unlike the uh, feeding of the 5,000, which was in all of the Gospels, this story, this event, I should say, is not in all of the Gospels. Luke does not record this. Matthew does, Mark does, and John does, but it's absent from the Gospel of Luke. And out of those three, only Matthew records Peter. Peter getting out of the boat and walking on the water. So it's a very interesting story, a very compelling story. It follows on the heels of the feeding of the 5,000. Jesus uh, makes the disciples the first distributors of Wonder Bread, as we talked about a few weeks ago. And uh, But but Mark tells us there was a problem. At the end of all that, he says they, they didn't get the lesson. They missed it. Mark 6 tells us that they had not understood about the loaves because their heart was hardened. So what didn't they get? What were they missing? Uh, still maybe debating, uh, you know, who is this guy, this carpenter? It, it, maybe he's the prophet. And there's this whole discussion about who is this man? Could he really be? Is it possible that this is the, the Messiah, the, the Savior that, that mankind has been waiting for, no, he's a carpenter, couldn't be, and so there's this real struggle over who Jesus is, and that struggle continues today, doesn't it, you know, some religions say he's this, or he's just a prophet, he's, he's this person, he's that person, and there still is a struggle in, in current society about who Jesus really is, and, or, and they have the same issue, they didn't get it about the loaves, so guess what? The school of ministry, the school of discipleship is back in session. So it's no coincidence that Jesus gets them in the boat. He says, you guys go. They're trying to make Jesus king. He's just fed everybody. So, hey, they're, they're trying to make him king. He gets the disciples in a boat. and He sends them out. Jesus knows a storm is coming. He's not, this is not a surprise. So he sends them into the storm. Now, let's pick up in verse we'll just read we get a running start in verse 22 says immediately jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side while he sent the multitudes away and when he had sent the multitudes away he went up on the mountain by himself to pray now when evening came he was alone there the disciples are all in the boat rowing and uh, heading to the other side jesus is now alone on the mountaintop spending time in prayer with the lord verse 24 says but the boat was now in the middle of the sea tossed by the waves for the wind was contrary so he sends them out into the middle of the sea they've, they've headed off to the other side but they only make it as far as the middle john tells us they were about three or four miles out and and they're struggling because there's a headwind if you ever have Uh, tried walking or running or rowing or bicycling into a headwind, you know that that is a lot of work. We want the wind at our backs. But when you are trying to go into the headwind, you feel like oftentimes you're working harder and harder, but yet making less and less progress. And and sometimes life feels that way. And if, if you feel that way, maybe this morning, then you are going to understand this passage very well. Because sometimes you're working so hard, you're trying to accomplish something, trying to get from point A to point B in life. And yet the harder you try, the harder you seem to work, it just seems like there's, there's this opposition against you. No matter how hard you work, it never seems to go well. You just seem to, I can't progress past this point. And so if that's your life, if that's the story of your life, then you are going to understand what the disciples understand. Matter of fact, Mark tells us that Jesus was watching them. He saw them straining at the rowing. They're, they're, they, they put the sail up at first, and they start to sail across, but man, the sail, they're just going backwards. So they put the sail down, they put the oars out, and now they're all huffing and puffing and trying to blow the house down, trying to get across the sea. But it's a big storm. And it's not the rain that causes the problem, it's the wind. The wind is what's creating the big waves, huge waves. And they're struggling. And that's the time when we say, you know, where's the Lord? Well, he's, he's watching. He's watching them while he's praying. Watching them strain. How hard is it for you to watch someone you know struggle and not jump in and, and release them from that? Not jump in right away and help them out? That's, I, that's a lesson I'm learning more and more. Uh, that sometimes there is God-ordained struggle. And we are so quick to pray for release from the struggle we want release now right that's typically what we're human that's what we want no one enjoys the struggle the problem is is the struggle is oftentimes what builds the character i remember watching jacob building with legos when he was a kid you know he had he was just in his room you know how the kids are in their room and they're just surrounded there's legos everywhere like a lego explosion and they're they're all over the place and he's building with legos and he was trying to put two pieces together and he was just getting frustrated. You know, I could see him struggling, and I thought, you know, I could build that thing in a second. You know, I could just put that thing together and get in there and move aside, son. Excuse me. Because we adults, we secretly love to play with Legos. It's true. Um, I do, at least. Uh, we enjoy it. That's why we have kids, so we can play with Legos again. And I know I could have built it faster and easier than he could have and just done it for him. But I remember the Lord just stopping me and saying, Steve, let him work it out. Let him, work, let him struggle a little bit with it. And now the whole time I had my eyes on him, I wasn't going to let him, you know, when Legos start flying, that's the time to step in. And Jesus does that with us. Romans 5 tells us this very important thing. We've been justified by faith, therefore we have peace with God. When you're saved, you have pe- the war between you and God is over. You're now... Uh, you t- there's peace between you and god and so then when struggles come you don't worry hey is god punishing me am i in trouble have i made him mad is something you know what, what's going on what have i done wrong no when you're saved you don't look at tr- struggles and difficulties that way because paul says in romans 5 that we don't we, now we can even glory in our tribulations why because when we're saved tribulations produce patience and that's what that's what james says count it all joy when you fall into various trials because the testing of your faith is productive what does it produce it produces patience So remember school is in session for the disciples so we glory in our tribulations because they produce perseverance and perseverance produces what Perse- well they're really the same thing perseverance and patience i just fooled you guys um Perseverance produces character, and character produces hope. Now, see, here's the problem. I think that culturally, we would rather have ease than character. I don't want character. Just give me ease. We, we don't seem to esteem character that high. This is a problem. This is an issue in government. You know, we, as long as the government makes our life easier, we don't care what kind of character they have. And I don't think that's true of this group. But do you see the issue So often we're saying, Lord, release me. Lord, release me. Lord, get us out of the storm. I've been rowing too long, too hard. It's time. Instead of saying, Lord, how are you using this to build my character? How are you using this to produce patience, to produce um, character in my life? So sometimes, and I'm learning this lesson. I'm learning that sometimes it's best not to release a person from their struggle right away. Look when Jesus comes. Jesus does come. Keep reading on. He sees the boat uh, tossed by the waves. Their wind was contrary. They're, they're struggling very hard. They're making slow progress. Look at verse 25. It says, now in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went to them. The fourth watch. Now, instead of the word watch, you might write in your Bible, shift. It's the fourth shift. And the shifts or the, the watches, these were when guards would be changed. They'd have, the Romans would have their guards watching. And then, you know, one guard change would happen Uh, at nine o'clock so from six to nine was the first shift from nine to twelve was the second shift from twelve to three was the third shift and from three to six was the fourth shift so get the picture The, the disciples are out they head out across the sea the storm brews they're stopped in their tracks by the wind the waves the storm the first shift comes and goes. Now, we know Jesus will be here soon. You know, he said he's going to come and meet us. And certainly, he'll come rowing on by here any minute now. The second shift comes and goes. The third shift comes and goes. They've been up all night now. And I'm sure they're starting to get frustrated. Can you, can you imagine the situation in the boat? There's James and John, the sons of thunder, and Peter, all fishermen. You know, there's Matthew, the tax collector. You know, I'm sure Peter's this big, you picture Peter as the big bulky fisherman Come on, Matthew, row harder. Come on, we've got to get through this. He's ordering them around. And I'm sure, you know how when you begin to get frustrated and tired, they've been up all night, uh, things begin to devolve in the situation. There's frustrations, tensions are high. So I can just imagine these guys just ready to tear each other up in the boat. I, that's just the way I picture it. You know, maybe you picture them working nicely as a team. And, you know, I, I don't think you know these disciples <laughs> 6 to 9 not yet 9 to 12 still struggling 12 to 3 still rowing getting nowhere 3 to 6 a.m. somewhere in there is when Jesus now decides he's going to go to them and some of you are in some of you it's still only between 6 and 9 you're just starting this struggle this trial it's going to be a while Jesus is watching he's got his eye on you he knows what you're going through but it's not time to be released yet still away we always want him to come in the first watch and that's what's best you know lazarus it was two days before he showed up we, we don't always understand this timing thing with the lord but i know this as a christian trials are not for punishing but they're for polishing they're not for punishing they're for polishing so there's a lot of polishing going on here for the disciples the fourth watch jesus went to them but not in the way that they would have been expecting, not in the way that anybody would have been expecting, he came to them, how walking on the sea walking on the sea he 's not in a boat, you know no boat, no problem. Jesus is just going to walk there. this is many of you live at Lake Monticello next time you drive by Lake Monticello, just hop out of your car and go ahead and walk across the lake. Why not right i I can 't think and maybe you can't i couldn't think of any other. Parallel story in the Bible where somebody walks on the water the Israelites walk through the water on dry land They're not walking on the water Elisha the best thing I could come up with was when when Elisha makes the axe head float They're in second Kings. I believe that's the closest. There's nothing like this. There's no parallel anywhere else that I could think of in the Bible certainly in the world if you do a Google search for walk on water the first, the first thing you find is a, a a video called Liquid Mountaineering, and it's a video that's got about ten and a half million hits. And it's a, these guys that kind of get a they get a running start and they try they wear, they're wearing their wetsuits and they're by some lake in you know some foreign country and they're they're trying to they run on the water. They're trying to see how long they can stay up. And it's been debunked as kind of a spoof video, but it's got ten and a half million hits on it. People are interested in this. It's it's intriguing. You also see magicians and illusionists like Chris Angel who have attempted to, to do this. They have you know, also been debunked, of course, but, because no one can do it. But there's a fascination with walking on water, isn't there? Even as kids, if you grew up with a neighbor that had a pool or if you had a pool, we would do the same thing. You get a running start and you try to keep your legs moving as fast as you can and run across the water and, of course, you, know, you go splashing right in. But this is what Job said. Job 9.8 says, he alone, speaking of God, he alone spreads out the heavens and treads on the waves of the sea. That's what Job knew. He alone. Now, he alone of human beings, but in nature we have some interesting things. We have water striders. Have you seen them? In the river, on the creek. Uh, they, they're these little tiny insects that have, I think they've only got four legs that I can recall. Uh, and and they, they rest on the surface tension of the water. And so they really literally walk on the water. But they're little teeny tiny insects. And then there is an animal called a basilisk lizard that's nicknamed the Jesus Christ lizard. Because it has the ability to run on two legs across the water for about 214 feet. And it just gets those legs pumping and motoring and just splashing across the water. So it's not without precedent. But Jesus Christ is, is a human being. And, and the, the surface tension is not strong enough. The weight is too big. He should just fall in. So it's a miracle of gravity. And and he walks across, and all the pictures, if you see pictures of Jesus walking on the water, be careful because a lot of times you see representations that are inaccurate. Remember, it's just daybreak, if that. It may still be dark. It's early. It's between 3 and 6 in the morning. And he's in the middle of a huge storm. How many of you have seen pictures of Jesus walking on the water? It's like a glass, you know, glass lake. And he's just kind of calmly walking on the water he's got that jesus face and the long flowing hair and his his robes are flowing in a gentle breeze that is not the picture at all it's a raging storm and the waves are huge And, and how is jesus is he is he going up and down is he bobbing up and down with the waves or is he just kind of cutting right through i don't know how it looks but we do. the disciples see in verse 26, when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, it is a ghost, and they cried out for fear. I mean, he must. it's an apparition. They, they, no way could this be Jesus. I mean, they wouldn't even be thinking this is Jesus. Because it's kind of this figure just coming across the water to them, drawing close to them. And it, you know, it blows a gasket in their mind. They don't know what to do with this. Now, here's an interesting thing. Mark 6, Mark records that Jesus uh, would have passed them by. That that line has always fascinated me. That here comes Jesus, they're struggling, rowing, sweating, tired. And the Bible says Jesus came to them walking on the water, and he would have passed them by. What do you mean he would have passed them by? I I think just like Jesus would have passed, and, and has passed, so many by. If you don't invite him in, if you don't say, hey, if you don't cry out to him, he'll, he'll put him, he'll, posi- listen, he'll position himself right there for you in the midst of your storm. In the midst of that crisis, he will be right there. Yeah, obviously, the, tr- the, the wind, the waves are no trouble for him. He's just kind of steady going on. He's going right across. He's not, not, in, not affected the same way that they are are but they notice him they're scared they cry out in fear ah it's a ghost and what did jesus do first verse 27 what's the first thing he does he spoke he spoke that is the first thing jesus will do he speaks in the middle of your storm when you're praying for release you get alone with the lord And you let him speak to you. Because look what he says. He speaks to them saying, be of good cheer. It is I. Do not be afraid. So he doesn't come right to them and say, I got this, guys. I can handle it. You know, rebuke the wind, rebuke the waves. They've been in this position before. They were in the boat, uh, in a storm, but Jesus was in the boat with them. This time, Jesus is not in the boat with them. It's a little different. So he doesn't first come right away. And stop the storm. The first thing he does is he gives you his word, and he says, "Be of good cheer. I'm, I'm with you." Does is, is that would that cheer you up to know that he was with you? Does that make you feel better if, if you would know that whatever trial, you're, whatever storm you're in, you don't know how it's going to last, but you know that Jesus is with you? Shouldn't that bring comfort? Shouldn't that be you know? If you've ever gone to the doctor, and you ever had a doctor that had lousy bedside manner, and you probably have. You know that, that words, spoken words, can either be very disturbing or very comforting. And just hearing, you know, you crack, you're going through that thing, you're in that storm, and, and you, if you're not now, you will be, and, and you just open up your Bible. And David said in Psalm 119, my eyes fail for searching your word. When will you comfort me? David knew where to look for comfort. He looked in the word of God. Now, if you don't believe in the word of God or if you don't have faith in the word of God, that may very well not bring you comfort. But for those of us that do know, you know, that those of us that are sheep and we hear his, we know his voice. And we hear his voice. Man, the word of God is so comforting. While you're waiting. While you're rowing. May the word of God comfort you in those times. He says, don't be afraid. Because they were very afraid. So verse 28, This is, I, I, I don't know what to say about this. Verse 28, Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. Peter, where did that come from? Impulsive speaking Peter. That's not what Peter was supposed to say, is it? What was Peter what would you have said what would we have naturally said what should Peter have said Lord if that is you stop the storm Lord if that is you do what you did last time and it's it's not just if it's it's if or since it is you right so it's not like he's still questioning at this point it's lord since you are here since you are with us since you're saying do not be afraid then lord since it's you rebuke the waves rebuke the wind stop the storm that's what he should have said right but he didn't why did you, why did peter say this why did he say lord if it's you command me to come to you on not in the water he doesn't say command me to come to you in the water because uh, peter could swim right we, which is interesting because when he starts to sink he cries out lord save me peter knew how to swim this must have been a huge storm Because in John 21, he jumps out of the boat, he dives into the water to go swim to the shore to see Jesus, a resurrected Christ. So it's not that Peter can't swim like me. You know, I can swim, but I'd certainly be fearful in a storm on the water like this. But he says, command me to come to you on the water. Peter's a fisherman, very comfortable in boats, probably been around a lot of storms. The only thing I can figure as to why he would have said this, you know, we love Peter because of his impulsiveness. He just sort of says whatever's on his mind, and it gets him in trouble sometimes. I think Peter is figuring, I've got my boat, and we're in the boat, and it's a place I'm very comfortable, a place I'm very familiar with. It's a place, certainly in a store, a place of security. And I think Peter weighs it out in his mind. He says, I'd rather be with Jesus in the midst of the storm than in the boat without him. I'd rather be in a vulnerable place in the midst of uncertainty with Jesus than in my secure place that I'm familiar with without him. I don't know if you would say the same thing. Uh, We've all got those familiar, comfortable places, old habits, old patterns, things that we revert back to. When, and that's the funny thing, when you're in a storm, that's the very time we typically draw things, we draw the reins in, we pull things in and say, ah, oh, okay, it's a tough time, got to, got to pull all the wagons in the circle, I'm under attack. You know, That's the very time we want to be in the boat in the storm. That's the very time we're, we're not going to get out of the boat. We're, we don't want to, st- Well, I can't, I can't do anything different now. I've got to do what I'm comfortable with, got to do what I'm familiar with. And for many of you probably in this room, that's how your, your life is. That's the way you live. You have certain habits, patterns, uh, behaviors that are your go-to thing, you know, addictions. That's where you go when the storm hits. It could be comfort food, Briars ice cream. We joke about that around here a lot because I love Briars. We've been Daniel fasting, by the way, so um, had gone a long time without ice cream. Uh, so a little edgy. had ice cream cake last night so not edgy anymore um but but you know it could it, it, it could be various patterns and behaviors that you turn to and those are ways you avoid jesus because he's not in those things they're sinful patterns they're sinful behaviors but you're comfortable with them they worked for you in the past and you figure well i'll ride out the storm in my little boat and i'm and when, when that difficulty comes, that's the time when you're least likely to do something daring or something to, to come to Jesus. And I've talked, to, we talk to people all the time in their storms of life. That's when people come to church, right? They don't come to church when everything's going well. They come to church when there's a storm and they're rowing, 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 can't get anywhere. So they finally end up going, well, I've tried everything, so I might as well go and see what's at this church down here. And they come and we say, hey, you've got to get to Jesus, well, things are too difficult right now to come. I'll, when, when this passes, then I'll come to Jesus. When, I'm, when I get through this, that's when I'll come to Jesus. Well, that's not what Peter did. It was in the storm that he decided to step out and not draw it. Again, I don't know why he did that, but he says it in verse 29. So he, Jesus, said, come. Come. What a word for somebody this morning. Come. I wonder if Peter's now going, uh-oh, <laughs> uh, didn't mean it. Uh, now he realizes that now Jesus has now commanded him to get out of the boat and come. So when Peter had come down out of the boat, oh, I wish I was there. I would love to see that. When Peter had come down out of the boat, as he crawls over the side and he takes that first step onto, the waves are crashing, and he takes that first step onto the water and and it supports him he doesn't sink he gets down out of the boat and he walked on water why to go to jesus that you know look we in our human minds the focus for us is walking on water this is not a parlor trick this is not something there's no it's it's only the disciples are there i don't think jesus is thinking about i mean uh, peter is thinking about anything but i'm going to jesus I'm going to Jesus. That The walking on water just happens to be how I get there. But that's my focus. I've got to get to him. Because I know in him is refuge. I know in him is safety. I know in him is forgiveness. I know in him is redemption. And do you know there are people all over the world that have to walk on water just to get to Jesus? It's so easy for us in some ways reading a book right now with our family called Mimosa, written by Amy Carmichael, a real-life real life story about a woman who um, grew up in India in a Hindu home. And, and just the way that without a church, without a Bible, that God personally and individually ministered to her and kept her going on so little knowledge, on so little that she had. And the, the things that she had to come against were incredible. And the way she came to Jesus was just awesome. And so he walks on water. Again, the idea is, I'm going, this is where I need to, I'm going to Jesus. But, verse 30 says, when he saw the wind was boisterous, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried out, saying, Lord, save me. So, again, it says when he saw When he saw the wind was boisterous, he had already seen the wind. The idea behind when he saw the wind was boisterous was that this is where his thoughts began to turn. So remember, he's got his focus on Jesus. He's stepping. Jesus commands him to come. He gets out of the boat. He starts to walk on water. How far did he get? Was it 10 steps? Jesus had walked on water three or four miles. That's how far out they were. Now, how far is he off from the boat? How many steps had Peter taken? But then his mind goes to the wind. And and the Bible says, and he was afraid. And that is what we deal with, isn't It's is fear. That's, our, our, that's the biggest obstacle to faith, is fear. Now look what happens when he begins to be afraid. And this is why the Bible is constantly telling us, fear not, fear not. If only, if only my people would trust me. And when he fears that's when he begins to sink so what was the power what power of god was keeping peter afloat the same the same power that was keeping jesus afloat is keeping peter afloat you know, anti-gravity stuff but somehow jesus's power has not diminished right jesus doesn't have any loss in power all sudden he doesn't go oh no i feel my power weakening you know kryptonite oh no you know i'm losing him i'm losing him it's Peter's fear. That's the issue. So somehow, listen, pay close attention to this. Somehow, the fear of Peter diminishes the power of God in his life effectively. Isn't that what we see? It's when Peter fears that he begins to fall. And the funny thing is, it's like this revolving cycle because what was Peter probably afraid of when he saw the wind, when he started to think about the wind? He was probably afraid, afraid of sinking. So, Here's Peter, he starts to get focused, not on Jesus, but on the wind and, and the waves. And so he begins to fear, sinking, and what does that cause him to do? Sink. Fear is, is, is uh, a very big obstacle for us all. And, it's, and, and here, let me just give you an example. You know, we, we live in economic difficulties right now. A lot of economic turmoil around the world. And so here's the thing, when you've got your job, when you know, you've got your, your big job and you're making enough money, no problems in the family, everything's going cool, you're, you're able to give. You're able to give to, to this charity or to support this or to you know, tithe or whatever it is that you do in, in, for the kingdom of God with your, with your money. But then you lose your job or you get a different job that pays less. And now you're, now you begin to do what? Fear, how we're going to eat. Even though the word of God says don't be anxious about what you're going to eat or what you're going to wear, you begin to. Because we love to disobey God in that area, not on purpose, but we just do because we're human and we are fearful beings. I grew up in in a fearful family. So um, I know about this stuff. So we begin to fear in that area. So what do we do? It changes the way we act. So now the things we used to do, we stop doing because we're fearful and then so we begin to say, well, I can't give anymore. We draw in, and then we remove ourselves from the blessing of God in the financial area. And what happens, the very thing we feared, sinking, is what happens. We sink. And that can be applied in a number of areas. The Bible says about me and about you, we walk by faith. It doesn't say we sink by faith. We walk by faith, not by sight. We walk by faith, not by sight. I wonder, is as Peter's walking out there, if when he begins to fear, do you think he stopped? Do you think he stood still and that's when he began to sink? I I think so. I don't know for sure. But I think when he looked, when he saw, he stopped walking toward Jesus. And I think when he stopped walking toward Jesus, he started to sink. And I think that's what happens with me. When I stop, even this morning, God's been working on, on me in some areas, um, just God's been working on me uh, preaching without notes just you know I've always been fearful of not having notes because like what if I get up here and I just go uh and like fear comes over me and I don't know what to say next public speaking is a real riot if you've ever had a public man and and the Lord's been working on me with this for years and I keep telling no Lord I need notes because I'm going to forget what to say and even though week after week I never use the silly notes that I bring because I'm long-winded anyway if I use my notes you'd really be in trouble But yet there's still a fear about what if, what if, what if. And so, and the Lord, even this morning, on the way up here from the office, the Lord said, Steve, get out of the boat. Trust me. Don't use your notes. I said, next week, Lord. I'll do it next week. Let me see what my notes say next. Yeah. And that's when he's afraid And beginning to sink, he cried out the best and most pure and most honest prayer that can ever be prayed by human lips to a divine spirit, and that's, Lord, save me. And if you have never tried daringly to go to Jesus, to follow Jesus, you may have never had to pray this prayer. Lord, save me. And again, Peter could swim. What a great prayer. And there's probably someone or, or maybe two-someones or three-someones in, in here this morning that this is the prayer that God is waiting for you to pray. You've been wanting the things of God, but you don't want God. You want the blessings of being in the church, but it's God. You know, I don't want Him. I just want what I can get from God. I want Him to rescue me, but I don't want to follow Him. And so there's a disingenuous, a double-mindedness double about your, even your prayers. And he just, Peter cries out, Lord, save me. And how long did, did uh, Jesus wait? Verse 31 says, immediately, Jesus stretched out his hand and caught him. Immediately. You know what that means in the Greek? It means immediately. It means right away. It means Jesus isn't going to let you sink. How many of you here this morning have been in difficult spots? and Jesus has let you down. It may not have gone how you thought, but you're still here, aren't you? Jesus hasn't let you down. Jesus will Look, this is why you can trust him. He will not, he will not, he will not let you drown. And that's a big fear of mine. Literally speaking, you know, drowning is my big thing. You know, I've, i don't want to die that way that's just the way i i hear it's peaceful but not me thank you someone else can die that way i'll have to take your who said who made that have you ever heard that like drowning is peaceful how do they know that's supposed to make me feel better about it immediately jesus stretched out his hand caught him and said to him oh you of little faith why did you doubt what a question Why? Why do we doubt? What makes us doubt? See, the connection, there's a connection between fear and doubt, and the word doubt literally means, and I'll get to the serious Greek definition, it means two ways. And it pictures a man or a woman standing at a crossroads, at a fork in the road. You know, Yogi Berra said, when you see a fork in the road, take it. Uh, That's another story altogether. Uh, The fork in the road, and there are two ways to go. And, And the person standing there is Sometimes thinking this way, and sometimes thinking that way, and sometimes thinking back and forth. I'll go this no, no, I'll go th- no, I'll go this way, no, no, I'll go that way. And back and forth, back and forth. James would call it a two-spirited, a double-minded man. The other picture is when you go to the doctor, they put you on the scale, and they have the sliding weight, and as it's getting close to your weight, it kind of goes, as it's waiting to equal out, it kind of goes up, and then it goes down, and it's kind of waiting to balance out. It's that up and down on either side that also pictures this Doubt. First it's up, then it's down, then it's up, then it's down. I was driving home the other day, and and I did what what we all hate to do. I killed a squirrel. Oh, I know. Um, I think he deserved it, though, because (laughs) any PETA people in here? He started, listen, now hear me out. Don't judge me yet. He started out plenty in advance. Jacob was in the car. You saw him. He was... He got a great start, didn't he? I mean, he had plenty of room. (laughs) And he was going across the road. If he had just kept going, he would have been fine. But he decides to stop in the middle of the road. And, you know, I worked in the the hospital, and I see people run off the road trying to avoid possums and things like that. So I tell Jacob, if you see, just keep going straight. And and that's another one of those things, like drowning is peaceful. They tell you when you see a squirrel, you're not supposed to change directions because then it's like an awkward dance. You know, you go left and they go left and you go right and they go right and, and then it ends up a mess anyway. Well, how do we get here? So, oh, yeah, I remember. So he, he stops in the middle and he, and, he, and he jukes left and he jukes right and he had plenty of time if he just kept going. But he stopped and he faltered, and he doubted, and I squashed him. (laughs) I don't feel good about it, but I think he was nuts. (laughs) But that's how we live, isn't it? That's how we live our faith, like that squirrel. You know, we just, for some reason, we just struggle to give Jesus all of it. Amen. Heather Mercer, the missionary in Afghanistan that ended up in, in jail, in prison there in uh, Afghanistan, she came home, she preaches now, a wonderful woman of faith, and she said, you know, there was a day in my life I just decided to put all my eggs in one basket. I just, you just have to stop fearing. You have to make a choice. That I'm just going to do what Jesus says to do. I'm just going to follow him. And, And when fear comes, I'm going to keep my eyes focused on him, on him, on him. And not on what I think should be happening or what's not happening or what could be happening or what might happen. I'm going to keep my eyes focused on the Lord. I'm going to do what he did. I'm going to walk where he walked. And you won't sink. Oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? Now imagine one other thing I want to mention as well before we go on. There was a whole bunch of disciples still in the boat. They had never gotten out. I wonder if any of them were critical of Peter. Nah, 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 nah you sank, you know, you're, you're, he's on, in the boat all wet now. And I wonder if they were critical of him. And I think we get that in church. I'll just make this a brief point. There are uh, people in church that are desperately trying to follow the Lord. They're failing at it. They're doubting. But they're attempting. And they're they're trying. And there's a whole bunch of people that are still in the boat, never haven't even come to Jesus that way, never even taken a chance, stepped out in faith to do something to get closer to the Lord. And I fear for the criticism that comes in the body of Christ from those that have never attempted anything daring to those that have and have failed trying. I would have you to try and fail a thousand times over than to sit in the boat and to never try anything to get yourself closer to the Lord, never to come to him, never to follow a commandment of his and attempt it. So let's bring this to a close. When they got into the boat, the wind ceased. So now Jesus is not, uh, Peter's not clinging to Jesus. I think Jesus is clinging to Peter. He's soaking wet, uh, but Peter is, is now held by the Lord. And they're now in the boat together. And verse 33 says, Then those who were in the boat came and worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. As Job said, You alone walk on the the waves of the sea. No doubt, no question. Truly, you are the Son of God. This is a messianic term. So, now they had crossed over, verse 34, and they came to the land of Gennesaret. It's morning time now. And when the men of that place recognized him, they sent out into all that surrounding region, brought to him all who were sick, and begged him that that they might only touch the hem of his garment. And as many as touched it were made perfectly well. So again, faith is the highlight. Faith is the thing that is being um, put under the microscope, under the magnifying glass. Faith, confident trust. They've been up all night. Jesus has been up all night praying. They had been ministering big time the day before. And now, guess what? Life goes on. You you go through your storm. You go through your struggle. You come out on the other side. You get back to the place of safety. And guess what? You get back into ministry. You get back into ministry. They they bring Jesus, all who were sick, and begged him that they they might only touch the hem of his garment, just like the woman with the issue of blood. Only... I could just touch something connected to him. And some, for some people, the church is sort of the hem of the garment. You know, I, I don't know much about Jesus, but I've heard about this church. I've heard about that church. And I don't, I don't know about Jesus, but I'm going to go. And if, if I can only be there, maybe something will change for my life. And so be understanding of that, folks, that, that come here week after week, that there are some sitting in this room this morning that we are, for them, the hem of the garment. We are for them as close as they've ever come to Jesus Christ, and I hope that we are grace to them. I hope that we are love to them. And as many as touched it, were made perfectly well. And it's still the same to this day, isn't it? Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. As many as will reach out for Him, as many as will walk to Him. Look, as we finish up, if Philip. You would come up here. Um, I sat with a uh, fella last week. He says, I, I, "I hear about this. I believe in God. I believe in a good God. I believe in a loving God. But I just struggle with Jesus that He could be the only way. What, what do I tell me? What I do with that?" And I said, "Well, if you, you don't have, you know, we know what the Bible says. If you don't have Jesus, you don't have God. Why? Because Jesus is God." So you can't say, well, I I love God, but it's Jesus I'm not sure about. If you don't know Jesus, if you don't love Jesus, if you don't have Jesus, you also don't have God. If you reject Jesus, you're rejecting God. If you reject what Jesus is, who he is, how he is, then you reject who God is and how God is and what God is. Because he is God in the flesh. So if you believe in God, you believe in Jesus because they're the same. They're one and the same. And so I tried to explain to him that you know we've all had opportunities where you you find some, you know sometimes a an animal gets into your house or a bird or a squirrel or something I don't know gets into your house and you know I worked with horses for so long you wish you could communicate their language right you know you wish you could just tell them I'm trying to help you this is for your own good your dog gets hurt or and you, you try to help it and it bites you or something like that because you can't speak the same language you know you're this great big human being you know, we we had a hummingbird get caught in our screen porch and just shoom, flew right in there and was just stuck there and you could actually just imagine the fear in this hummingbird as we were coming toward it you know this big human being to to grab the hummingbird to try to set him free but he didn't understand that because i'm not a hummingbird i don't speak his language he, he can't relate to me and that's how it was for god You know, you see him on the mountain when the law is given and the people are scared because when he speaks it's like rivers of water, torrents of water. And when he shows up, it's a smoking, fiery mountain. And the people say, we're too scared, Moses, you go. And God has this problem where he's so big and powerful. Human beings have a hard time relating to him, understanding him, seeing him for who he is. And so he says, how can I communicate? How can I reveal myself to them and so he puts himself in human flesh like if i could become a hummingbird and say okay just go in you know, put it in reverse back out then you'll be okay oh i didn't know that if i could talk to the horses in horse language and tell them no this is this is going to be good for you and that's what jesus is he is god putting himself in, in a way in a form that can be understood. So that then he can lead us to freedom by speaking our language, by living among us, by being one of us. And that's what he's doing. That's why he's there on the, on the waters. Rescuing, saving, healing. He is God among us. And I thank God that he has revealed himself that way. I don't know that I ever could have understood God had it not been for Christ. To see the compassion. To see that even tired, even fatigued, having all night been out and in the water and saving Peter. and I mean, you think that the next morning he'd say, can I get a break, please, from this saving stuff? Oh, you guys are so needy. Give me a break. You know, he's not human like us in that sense. He'll never sleep. He'll never slumber. He has the thoughts of you... That he has are, are more than the grains of the sand on the beach. Of you personally. See, I can only think a couple of thoughts at one time, you know. And, and then I forget those thoughts and I need more memory, more hard drive space. But not God. He's not limited that way. He's holy. So as Phil leads a closing song, I just want you to think about um, Peter's prayer. Peter's prayer in the storm. Peter's desire to just get out of this uh, place where he's always, where he's so comfortable, where he's lived his life in this boat. And you, that's you, you've lived in your life in the boat of addiction, in the boat of isolation, in the boat of aloneness, in the boat of religion. Just as long as I do the things I'm supposed to do, then everything's going to be okay. And, and it's, it's really, the whole focus is, is Jesus, Him, It's a person, not a religious system, And so today, you may have been in church for, you know, hundreds of years. You grew up in church. You were born in church. But you've never been saved. You've never got to that place where you've just cried out, Lord, save me. Save me. So consider that. uh, And if that's you and and you like prayer, if you need prayer, if you need prayer for healing, we watch Jesus, you know, after we close the service, just come on, just come on up here and say, "Hey, I need prayer for this in my life. I need prayer for that in my life." Grab someone that you know and pray together. Amen, amen. Let's sing a final song. You want to stand, Phil, or?